Have you ever heard a strange noise in the middle of the night? Ever seen something you couldn't quite explain? What's that? Ever been visited by a loved one in a dream? What are you? Psychic mediums Katie Manning and Michelle Lyons Polito talk about it all. Welcome to the Psychic on the Scene podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another exciting episode. The last episode of 2022. Wow. And I know, right? <laughs> that went by like a shot. <laughs> and, um,. I just want to, I want to start off by first saying how grateful and thankful I am for both Michelle Lyons Polito, uh, oh, psychic God. medium, my dear friend, for being on the show and being my co-host, and for our other dear friend, D. Scott, our background guy, who um, doesn't say too much, but boy, <laughs> if we didn't have him, we would be lost. Yeah. Another great yeah. friend <laughs> and a huge asset to the show, and it's really hard to believe that we're a couple years in now doing this show and um have really Easy. built our audience and thank More you to for you Katie. well thank you yeah. and thank you for all of our amazing guests that we had this year so many good guests yeah. and thank you to all of our listeners for um not only listening but like stopping us and commenting on the shows and um when we had the contest we were overwhelmed with the submittals yes, from the contest incredible I know it was really awesome and great ideas from all of you. So we'll have to do that again because I loved, loved, loved yeah. the feedback um, from, from our listeners. So thank you guys all again, as we wrap up 2022 and head into an amazing 2023, so much to look forward to. Um, and so much in my own family, just to be grateful for this past year and, and looking forward to so much more as we were just talking about with our kids and grandkids and, just crazy. When I started the show, it, it didn't, my life wasn't this big, if that right. makes any sense, right? My family, my life exactly. wasn't this big. Dee's life wasn't this big, Michelle's. And, and, and we've kind of gone through a lot together. We sure have. And, uh, and, and truly evolved. So, um, on we that We survived note, the pandemic together. We yeah. Did yeah. Indeed. Right. We, and you want to know something our listeners should know pandemic like we had our last show with, was it Tim Owens? Tim Owens was our last live. And he, it was the week awesome. that the pandemic was getting hot. Yeah. And um, we got to the studio and I actually think he had a mask on. And he, he the, what I remembered is he was the first person I encountered that didn't shake my hand. He did the elbow. The elbow bump. That's right. And we went into the studio and we did our thing and um, probably like a week later was when the whole world, especially New York, shut down. Yeah. And it was probably like two or three weeks in, I started getting fan mail saying, oh, I'm binge listening to you guys. I'm going to run out of episodes. Are you guys going to do something? And I'm like, hurry, hurry. oh my gosh, I guess we should be doing something. So uh, again, the amazing D, I reached out to him and said, hey, could we do this like a Zoom meeting? And he was like, sure, let me just figure it out and I'll get it all set. Like he always <laughs> says, he always says yes. So our listeners know if we say we can go on location or do something. He goes, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> I know somebody, I, I don't know everything, but I know someone that help that can help me with anything. Right. So that's how we get everything done. That's I mean, the work. miracle of the one minute manager. That's the whole premise of that is that you, you don't need to know it all, but you need to know where you can access it. Yeah. And, um, 
I mean, like a roll our, our on location stuff wouldn't happen without Nick Lee because he, yeah, I know. Thank you to our buddy Nick Lee. <laughs> and then yeah. I had friends that were like, This is how you do it on Zoom. And now we've evolved to recording on StreamYard, which is basically like Zoom, but a better quality. And yeah, that was, I discovered this by doing someone else's podcast and went, Hmm. And I actually do my, uh, my wrestling podcast on StreamYard as well. Awesome. So, and we're, we're recording now, right? Everything's good. So. Yes. Uh, not, <laughs> shit. It was a little good. record button popped up. So. It all so, over <laughs> so this is a show, um, that came highly suggested from our listeners. And, um, I decided that we didn't want to do a guest connected to this. I just wanted us, us three. Right. And, um, it's for missing persons and missing persons specifically in New York state, uh, a lot of well-known cases. Um, I first want to start by saying kind of a disclaimer um, and not to jip anybody. Um, as we're doing this, we are going to be very or try to be very <laughs> politically and legally correct of not saying any of our personal opinions of naming names of people maybe that we think it is um, just for the, the legal aspect of it. But um, if these are cases that you guys are following, I'd love to get some feedback when you're, you're hearing about it. So, um, and I want to do it in a way that helps and honors the families that keep these really alive and going. And um, so first by saying uh, I, my career started um, professionally back in 2006 um, where I got connected to a missing persons case out of Scotia. My first case was Craig Freer and I wound up working with Harry Buffardi and other law enforcement on that case. And after that, even if I was trying to keep it a secret while I did my day job at the Schenectady chamber, I was contacted by different um, um, law enforcement. And I want to say, too, with that, and I've spoken um, now over at Schenectady Community College to criminal justice students, using a psychic on a missing person or a murder case Mm -hmm. obviously is not admissible in court. It's not like the shows where they're going to come in and save the day. The police, the investigators... Those people are doing the work and a psychic and the psychic's ability is really just an additional tool to whatever they already have. And the cool thing is when you are working with law enforcement and, you know, you kind of step away from having an ego connected to it, that you are validating things that you couldn't have possibly known in their Mm -hmm. files. And um, that for them, I think is like hugely helpful. Does it solve them? Um, no, but it helps them kind of stay in the right direction from a person that has absolutely no clue. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Michelle, you can, you can speak to that as well. Yes. I, I've been out on a couple of missing person cases and it's, it's, it's challenging because you're getting the information and you have to let yourself off the hook with the expectation that you're going to help solve yeah. it. I mean, you want to, and that, I think that's the hardest part. Because if you talk to the families, it is a an absolute nightmare. It has got to be one of the worst experiences of a person mm-hmm. to have a missing loved one. And I, that, I think it's the biggest challenge for me is I get emotional. Mm-hmm. 
And if, if I get emotions, it, it, well, any of us, it, it blocks. Well, and, and we're moms and, yes. um, you know, yeah. grandmas and, and um, now, especially um, moving forward that it, for me, as you're saying, like, cause you're such an empathetic person. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an empath as well, but not probably to the level that you are. And working with the families is harder than working with law enforcement. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When I do it with law enforcement, it's like, um, it's I'm seeing it, but I can be a little bit more objective, um, right. from right. it. And it's like, we're kind of like reporting the news. So just so that our listeners understand when I am getting, and Michelle, I want you to explain your process. Yes. If I get a phone call from law enforcement, mm -hmm. um, many times because they are skeptical and um, they're just doing it as part of a, um, like a routine right. that they're saying that somebody said for me to reach out to you and we're Check just trying to cover all our bases. And I, I have to say, I respect that because of yes. what they do. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly enough, once I get to know them, so many of them have had um, their own psychic experiences, not mm -hmm. only with these cases, but with many other cases. And um, so we kind of like share that uh, of what they're getting. But so um, to give you one example, uh, I, I was called one time for a case in Rensselaer. And when the detective contacted me, he said, I, I don't know if I believe in this stuff, but I was told to give you a call. I said, <laughs> okay, I, I, I understand that. And I, he said, well, when can you come in the office? And I said, um, I can come in, you know, like tomorrow noon. He said, okay, gave me nothing. He may have said the first name, but I didn't have a photo. I didn't have anything else about this. And I was home and I was getting ready and, um, I literally was thinking to myself, well, this is going to be a shot in the dark. You know, he doesn't, this detective already <laughs> sounds very reluctant to speak to me. <laughs> and um, I'm going into this. I have no idea. And I started getting visuals of an area, like a dirt road. Um, I could see, uh, I kept wanting to say it was like a lumber camp like an area where people um, harvested the trees. And, but I'm thinking this is Rensselaer. Like how would I, I don't know what that means. So, um, and I had gotten a couple of different names and I kept feeling as if in that particular case, like the body was on one spot and they marked it like detectives. And then it was moved to another area. Uh, okay. So when I got to the police station, I started, to, the two detectives were sitting there and they were kind of like blase, like taking notes. And I started to say, I said, I want to go to a logging camp or a logging area. And the two of them like shot up and they turned around and they looked at each other and they go, oh, if we give you a map, could you do the map? And I said, <laughs> sure. So it's interesting that you'll get just a little bit. And I, before I go into anything like this, Michelle, I do the same thing. Like I get myself nervous because I want to do well. Oh God. Yeah. That's the hardest. And I want to serve not only the person that the crime has been committed to, but to the family and to law enforcement. So many times I'll do my rosary ahead of time. And on the stations of the rosary, I will say um, for the detectives, you know, to to have clarity, as well as um, even the person that's committed the crime to have some. I don't know, moment of of um, wanting to admit or give peace to the family, some sort of humanity. Yeah. So I, I do ask for that, like kind of white lighting the person that committed the crime. And uh 
But I also say, and it kind of gives me a feeling of calm, I'll say accuracy, clarity, and healing. And I figure if I can do those three things of what I'm getting without embellishing it, then, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And if I get nothing, I get nothing. And that's kind of what I, I go with with that. So, But the, it's really in law enforcement's hands. And there's a lot of times that families or somebody on, on the Internet will contact me and say, hey, did you ever hear about this case? And I don't think the police are doing anything. They're doing work all the time. They're working on these cases. They take them home with them. They live with them. I've had um, cases that have been retired from two other officers. You know, they've gone through three different cycles and they're still active cases. Right. And right. people are reaching out to me um, because I haven't retired, <laughs> they're retiring yeah. and they'll say, Oh, your name is on the report. Can we meet with you? Can you give us any new insights? So, um, so I'm glad that our listeners, um, had an interest in, uh, the missing person cases. And, um, again, I, I really want to help and honor the family. So one thing too, I'd like to say is I want people listening to their gut. So, before even anything like this happens, and, and as Michelle said, it's your worst nightmare. I want somebody, a mom, a dad, to think that doesn't feel right, or that doesn't seem right, or my child isn't acting right. Um, are you going to catch everything? No, but there are so many times we don't say something or we don't act on it that we wished we had later. Yeah. And I think if, if, even if we are teaching our children that, right. that they're in situations and their gut just doesn't feel right and they can't explain why, we need to listen to that more. We need to make our children, especially young women, honor that more. So, right. and not feel funny about it. It's right. Like, if it doesn't feel right, speak up. If it doesn't feel right, don't, don't go there. Right doesn't mean they have to be an emotional mess or, you know, um, but, but be able to say to mom or to dad, yeah, I don't want to go to that house. I don't want to sleep over there. I don't want to be with them or that girl makes me feel funny or what we need to have more dialogue about that, that they are, those are valid emotions. And those, the reason you have that is to keep yourself safe. Those are God given or born with instinctual um, warnings messages that are given to our bodies and it's funny because i think um a lot of times it's not until adulthood that we give ourselves even license to to listen to that so anyways. exactly you know and how many times are we told oh you know just buck it up deal with it no if it doesn't feel right speak up or back away whatever it takes if, if, you, if you don't feel write about it, then just don't, don't, you know, get yourself out of that situation or ask for help. Michelle, when you're getting information on, on these cases, um, how is, what is your process? How do you get it? Um, I get it one of two ways. Um, I, I, like you have been contacted and my husband's in law enforcement. So um, sometimes when I'm getting information, often I dream about the people that are missing mm. and then I'll share it with my husband and he'll set a meet up with whoever, you know, what, whatever local, local law enforcement group is working on that case. And I'll just share my impressions. Um, I meditate 
I do, mm-hmm. I do TM, I do Transcendental Meditation. I um, Tim Owen suggested this one. Before he sees a client, when he's meditating, he just runs their their name through his, his head a bit before he goes in. So I do that and I meditate. I have it in my morning prayers as well. And then I just let the energy flow. Um, if I'm called in, I go, I prepare myself, and then I just go. It's almost like I zero out, zero out my expectations. And I, the most important thing for me is not to think. Because mm. when you're going into a missing persons case, you want to give answers. And if you allow, if you, if you get so caught up on, you know, having something to say, giving the answers, then you start thinking. And then that shuts down the psychic process. It just comes to a screeching halt. So I kind of just go in there to see what I feel. Mm-hmm. With the prep that I do in the morning, then I go in and then the information comes through. Sometimes they'll, they'll uh, have something of, of the missing person you know, psychometry to hold on to. Um, and that's when I get some pretty intense pictures, especially if it's a metallic object. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, they take notes. I get, you know, callbacks to come back and talk again or talk over the phone. Um, I've always been told that it's helpful. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, it hasn't led to anything really concrete. So, but... I'm not sure of that either because I, you know I'm not just waiting here. Well, to- they're and they're also they, many times they won't share that with us. I've had I've been fortunate that I've had a couple of cases where it's gotten to um, the stage that it's you know in court and they're contacting me now saying um, you know that they they've gotten the they they were able to validate mm. what I gave them. So, but the the cool and and that is amazing when it comes back. I do know like with some of the people that I've, and I do connect with people. I know, like, you know, when they have crossed, mm. you know that they're no longer on this side. Yep. Um, and when I have dreamt of these people, I often, um, that's my first notification that they're no longer in body. All right. In the place- you know, I, that's one of those spots, Michelle, I will actually say, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. You know, I hope I'm wrong. I'm giving yeah. you this information, but I actually, I hope I'm wrong. So, um, and I, I, in my dreams, when I dream of someone who's missing twice now, the person has not been deceased and I have seen them alive and well, I've dreamt of them as an observer, like I'm observing their behavior, mm-hmm. but, um, but, well, I'll, I'll mention one in particular, Suzanne Lyle, when she went missing about a week after she went missing, I dreamt of her. I mean, I was in a dream with her. I was sharing space with her. And we were in a waiting room. Interesting. Like, you know, when you're waiting for someone who's in surgery and you're waiting. We were in a waiting room. Waiting. And I was trying, I was communi- I was talking with her. And she goes, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. And um, I don't know if that she was in the space between. I do know that she's, you know, in the fifth dimension in heaven. Um, but at that time she was, I think she felt like she was just waiting for something, waiting to be found. Um, and then a few, you know, years later I had that dream again and she was holding a cat that time, but I, I don't keep in my head the date that she went missing, but I often wake up feeling very, very ill on that day. And I'll look it up. I'm like, yep, yep. It's the day. So So for whatever reason, you're, you're, um, very connected to her. And that's actually, um, an, um, a good spot for us to start. Susie and Lyle, um, her family, 
has really made it their um, passion um, to help other families and to highlight um, families with with missing um, children in the capital region. And um, they started Hope for the Missing. And um, anybody that's interested, you can donate or uh, look it up, but it has its own website, Hope for the Missing. I think it's .org. And um, I can probably double check. And um, every year, um, and I think it's April 6th is the weekend that they have um, a dedication to the families and um, to these people that have gone missing in the capital region. I've been fortunate now to attend two different times and it's pretty awe-inspiring. Um, the one year they had a young lady that had um, actually been found and um, came home. And um, they also, at the one time, they had not started yet having the um, CODIS. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, they were talking about it then and saying that we need a database for these cases so they can start to link so DNA. Important. So important. Yep, through the through the system. So um, Suzanne Lyle, uh, for those that don't remember, she went missing March 2nd, 1998, and she was a um, SUNY student. Um, but again, so much more than that to her friends and her family, very bright, amazing young woman and was working at Crossgates Mall and had just vanished um, after that. And there had been a lot of um, looking around in the capital region, and I'm sure even beyond. Yeah. Um, I have always felt with Suzanne um, in connection with that, that it may have been somebody that she knew. I agree 100%. And that she um, trusted, I don't know if it was raining, for some reason I think it was raining, but that she got into the vehicle. And uh, this is um, after the missing of Karen Wilson, yes. who had also gone missing, um, was a SUNY student, mm -hmm. and she was in downtown. And I think, again, she was at, like I think, a bus stop, they said, and then she just went missing. She just vanished. Karen Wilson, I think, strangely enough, Right down the road from where I live, she was at the tanning hut. Yeah, she was Central Avenue, which is yep. right down the road from from me. Yep, and and she went missing um, in March of ninety five. Um, another beautiful, beautiful mm. young lady, and um, I, you know, for the longest time, I started to think, and they actually had said that it wasn't connected, but I kept seeing. Um, almost like a utility van or a utility truck. I might've told that before, but it kept seeing it like big letters on the side of the truck. And it was one individual. It may have been even somebody that she would have recognized maybe from campus or um, out and about. But um, I think that the person had a history of doing this, has done this more than once. Um, in connection with Karen Karen Wilson, I don't I don't think it's the same person connected with Suzanne Lyle, I agree. Um, but uh, very similar. Another one that was a, um, an interesting case that I don't think gets a lot of attention um, was Kelly Sue, and I'm probably going to say her last name wrong, but it's Ackerneck. and she was the Amsterdam employee working at the Rite Aid pharmacy. 
Mm. And went missing, just vanished. And the weird thing was she vanished, but then they found her car burned out. It had been set on fire. And she wasn't in it. That's just the strangest thing. Right. But they never, they kind of almost said like they didn't think it had to do with um, a family member that did it. Um, I, I, it just seems very strange that nothing ever came out of that. Um, or that they maybe they couldn't get enough of information. Maybe they had somebody. I did not work on that case. Um, but I always thought that one was upsetting because they found the car. And then that just no trace of her. And she was a very, very active in her daughter's life, very active in the community. Yeah, very active in the community. Um, and mm -hmm. it, it kind of was at the time because Amsterdam being that kind of an area that more of a farm area in right. general, going up towards, you know, uh, Tribes Hill and all of that, that I don't think that they had something like that happen um on the regular right it was more towards right. like the albany schenectady area that things like that happened so um again for her and her family um our thoughts and prayers always going out to to all of these families because i i can't even imagine i've worked with so many of these these families and it's it's just such a challenge another one um and by the way, with Karen Wilson, you never heard anything about that again. Like you occasionally hear on the anniversary um, about her. Right. But that's it. Yeah. You never hear anything um, from the family or, or, or and, and some people are very private that they don't want to be out in the public yeah. um, or maybe their culture or their um, their religious beliefs. Um, they don't, A, they don't want to be talking to a psychic, but right. they, they oh. also don't want to have their pain and their family out in public. So I, think um, I mom moved to Florida. I mean, yep. sorry, California. Yep. I, and, and I respect it. I, I definitely mm -hmm. respect that, that, you right. know, for those families. Mm -hmm. um, Craig Freer, um, I have not only, I, that was the case, as I said, I started with, he was a young man from Scotia, very handsome, right. um, athlete. There was a lot of people he was connected to and his family was connected to. That is one of the cases, um, that has literally been handed down from, um, person to person in, in law enforcement, a lot of troopers, and it is still an open active case. Oh. Um, 18 years ago already. Yep. And, and, and that was one of those ones that was, he just went missing. Now I can tell you that I think somewhere between, um, there is a apartment complex over there in Scotia going towards the Collins park. Mm -hmm. I, th I believe that, um, that's where his demise was. I don't think he got much farther than that. They had speculated, um, some people had said or offered that they thought he was like a runaway. I never believed from the get go that he was a runaway. Um, actually, none of these I've ever felt was a runaway. No. Uh, the ones that we're, we're talking about right now, the first few, Kelly Sue, Suzanne, um, Karen Wilson, or Craig Freer, I don't believe were runaways. I, I believe that they um, met with um, somebody that meant them harm. Yeah. Um. Interestingly enough, with the Craig Freer case, um, I have always felt that he he is somewhere over in that area. Um, you think he's still there? It, yeah, 
Yeah, I know. I, it's it's interesting because in the summer, in the spring, in the summer, that area, it's so overgrown that if you were if you and I were standing next to each other, I wouldn't be able to see you. Oh That's God. how dense it gets. In the winter time, you can see right across. It was an old like out to the river, the Mohawk River. Right. Um, it, it was a huge farm plantation at one time. Strangely enough, then it was like a, a landfill. Huh. So you'll find when you're back there, Harry and Barty and I would be back there, you'll find weird things. And one of the things I kept saying early on was I said, I see, I, I said, I'm in the middle of the woods. I said, but I keep seeing this red orange piping coming up out of the ground. No idea what I was talking about. Oh. And I said, I keep seeing these pipes, like industrial pipes coming up out of the ground. And dump. at the time I was working with the Scotia police and, um, he, I said, I want to go through that co a concrete tunnel. I said, it's covered with graffiti. Wow. And um, he said, do you want me to show you where you're talking about? And I was like, and I kept thinking to myself, like, yeah. <laughs> so um, he took, and it was late at night, by the way. Um, he took me first to the, I kept talking about the railroad tracks and going down this like long um, gully. Mm -hmm. And it was overgrown like in springtime. And um, I said to him, he brings me up to the railroad tracks, the top part when you go on the upper side. Yeah. And I was looking around. I hear very loud in my head. They looked in the wrong area. And I turned and I looked at him and I said, "I this is the wrong one. And he mm -hmm. said, he said, you want to know something weird? He said, there was another psychic who came out here and she said the same exact thing. And you're like, that's not weird. <laughs> yeah, that's not weird at all. Oh, and then um, he took me underneath to where the, it's a culvert. I'm probably not saying it right. No, that's culvert. That is right. And um, drives me through it. And the, I could see all the graffiti that I had just described or was talking about in the, in the case. And then when we pulled through and he's got his headlights on, now we're in the woods. Oh. And as we pull into the woods, there's those pipes sticking up out of the ground. Oh and I God. had one of those like shut up moments. And he goes, there's your pipes. The, the um, forestry, forestry group had come through and they were clearing trees. Oh. And because it had been, I guess, a landfill, they had those like methane. Right. Pipes to release the gas. So you didn't get a buildup under the underneath ground. the ground. So I knew I was in the, on the right area. And that was one of the first times in doing a case, I had written everything out when it all had come through to me while I was getting dental work done. And I got to the police station and I, I was the first, I mean, I was terrified. I'm thinking they're going to lock me up. Yeah. And, like, oh, um, you know, what are they going to think of me? Right. They're going to burn me at the stake for being a witch or something. <laughs> so I start giving the information and very blase because obviously they've worked with psychics before the one detective said, Yeah. Well, what time of day was it? And in my head, I can literally remember thinking the audacity. <laughs> I am giving you all this information and you're asking me the time of day. And before I could even finish that thought, a voice very calmly said it was 2.15. And I went, oh, I go, it was 2.15. And he said, okay. He said, do you know like where you were? And I said, the tracks are on this side, my right side. I said, I can see the trees and on the right side of me, I know there's water over there. Oh, wow. So years later, not too long after, I wound up reading a book that my mom had given me um, called Psychic Detective. And it's written by Noreen Rainier. Mm -hmm. And 
she not only worked on a lot of police cases, very interesting lady, um, but she also had the ability when she was doing like the meditation or putting herself in it, she could switch herself from victim to predator. Oh, wow. To get more detail. Holy moly. And then she gave me a very helpful tip. She'd say, take me up 10 feet, take me up. 20 feet and i've shared that with my classes so that she could see like an aerial view of where she was yeah and when i've been i found i discovered with that first case that if they ask me questions um like they're interrogating me it actually answers Yes. So things that I'd have no knowledge of, it might be a name, it might be like that, like the time of day or mm -hmm. um, maybe something I'm wearing um, that the detectives are trying to determine. Yeah. And I will get more information in, in Craig Freer's case. So that was the, that's what happened with me. Um, and that is still an unsolved case. Uh, um, and they've gone out many, many times. Um, yeah, they've I not found. They go, out, they go out in spring and fall when the leaves and everything are down yep so and did, do you have you noticed that this happens with me when someone's asking <clears throat> excuse me direct questions like that it's not one of my usual voices in my head yeah it's, yeah it's, yeah it's, it's like i don't know if it's the person talking um and once i did feel the predator and i probably should have stayed in it longer and if and when it happens again in the future I'll stay in it longer, but it was so, it was such a distasteful place to be in distasteful feelings to feel. I jumped right out. Even with attacks, um, there was a case years ago, um, which had not been reported. My ex-husband and I were sitting on the couch having coffee and it was like five in the morning. Yeah. And they had said that a young girl had gone missing and anybody having any information and I froze and he turned around and looked at me and he said, are they going to find her? And I said, yes. And I said, she's in a body of water. And I said, um, and he said, she's not alive. And I said, no, she's not alive. Within two weeks, they found her. And I wound up speaking to the detectives on that. And the way the violence had come through with her passing, I kept feeling hot spots on my body, like where, oh. like a knife was going in. So I knew she was stabbed again, not released to the public. And I turned to the detective and I said, um, stabbed. I said, um, I want to say 22 times. And I said, as I'm turning, the fatal blow is in the back. Mm. And because of what I said, the detective goes, okay, um, Mrs. Hilton, we have to, um, depose you. Oh. And I, I went, Oh, Okay. My father was in the other room. He heard and he goes, everything okay? And I go, yeah. Oh, no. So, um, but that was an interesting, um, trying to give a statement because I kept saying, she's telling me. Yeah. And then and the one detective finally goes, I don't even know how to write that in a report. How do I write that? <laughs> the victim, the yeah. victim is telling the psychic. Yeah. Telling the psychic, um, <laughs> this is what happened. But anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. Craig, Craig was the first one. And um, his, his mom is another amazing woman, uh, the family and um, well loved in the community. And everybody um, has felt connected to them as a family and as a loss yeah. um, in the community. And he's another one that they had, you know, people had speculated that he ran away. No, I, I don't believe that. Nope.
he had just spoken to his mom on the phone I, I had read and then she said come home and then he didn't um but yeah i i do admire the families of these people that rather than you know turning inward completely or rather than right. you know, uh, just resorting to just anger and hate and sadness they go out into the community and, and try to make a difference and, and form a community within a community, a community that you never want to belong to, but yeah. just so life-giving. Yep. And, 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 you know, truly the Lyles um, and her father has since passed away. Um, and it, it just is um, pretty amazing that they would dedicate their life in the memory of that child yes. um, and, and exactly what it's, it's named hope for the missing. So um, pretty, pretty radical. Also too, in that, I don't know if um, our listeners know this, but there's actual playing cards. Um, you'll see them on some of the websites for like New York state and on the playing cards, these are given out to inmates yeah. with information uh, about these missing persons um, with the hopes that somebody inside may know something. Right. Like someone hears someone else bragging. Right. That's very <laughs> often how these cases are, are solved is someone, you know, people love to talk. Yep. Someone finally uh, can't keep it to themselves and there's a reward. So, or someone. Uh, another um, one who, whenever I see her face, it just grabs me um, is Audrey May Heron. Um, again, oh, from the Catskill area, and a lot of people knew and loved her. She was a nurse. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a part-time nurse. and um, That's been 20 years already. That's unbelievable to me. I know. I can't believe that's been 20 years because that happened all around that same time. And so I don't know if you were in that class, Michelle, but um, for our listeners, when I teach psychic development classes, one of the things I have done, because I wind up always having... Um, students with all different kinds of ability. And one of the things I had discovered was I had a lot of students that could do what I do when they see a picture, not even knowing what the cases are. So I've used the photo of Catherine Kologic, which was um, a murder case out in Cobleskill that is still mm -hmm. gone um, unsolved, but was, and, and still being actively worked on by mm -hmm. the, um, um, by the troopers out in that area. Um, looking for any kind of insight, but, um, when I give this picture, especially of Audrey Heron, I have had students say, cause her car went missing too. Right. And they never found the car, the Jeep, the, a black Jeep Cherokee, I think. Yep. And, and, and that never was, um, located or like abandoned. So whoever it was kept it, kept it hidden. Um, I definitely feel like it's out in a country area or she was taken to a country area. I, um, I think it is somebody that she only knew in passing. Right. I kept getting a Stewart's like a gas station and I kept smelling gasoline. Um, and then I, when I, when I had conveyed that then later on the students, every time I gave it, I gave it in two different classes. They all said the same thing. They said, I can smell gasoline. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? That yes. Was, yeah, I remember that in your class. Yep. So um, that's another one. The family. Um, I met her daughter and I believe I met her mom. 
Mm. And um, that was down in that area. And again, just beautiful, amazing people and um, still keep her beautiful memory alive. So um, very, very sad. It is. Um, another case that I worked on, I don't know if you had, was um, Jaleek Rainwalker. I had not officially worked on the case, but I've gotten a lot of input. My mother called me at six o'clock in the morning um, the year he disappeared and said, and I, of course, you get an early call from a parent. You're going to freak out. <clears throat> she said, I had a dream about Jaleek Rainwater. She's very tied to him for some reason. Walker. Right. Jaleek Rainwater. I'm sorry. Jaleek, Jaleek Rainwalker. Um, I really, she said, I dreamt of him and, and she, he, she dreams of him a couple times a year. She said he was laying underwater that was so still it was like a pane of glass mm. and so and my mother's extremely psychic but is an extreme she's extremely afraid of it mm -hmm. so when stuff comes through when she says something or sees something i pay attention because it's worked its way through all of her defense mechanisms right and so i do feel i've seen him a couple different places as well like if i'm out like in a crowd i've done this like when i'm i'll give a talk um a psychic talk you know ghost hunting talk i'll often see him in the crowd so there probably is somebody there that he is associated with yes. or connected to yep. um beautiful um i had um met his grandmother who's an oh. amazing lady Jesus. And I actually worked with the original detective on that case who has since also, oh, he's passed away, uh -huh. um, Officer Bell. And um, there was a lot of information um, given back and forth. And the, again, they keep a lot of things secret. But um, again, I, I believe that that young man um, was another one. They kept claiming he was a runaway initially, no. and there's no way he ran away. Nope. He didn't have the resources. You got to think in terms of that, that he didn't have the resources, young. 12-year-old kid. Yep. I, I think the most brilliant person that ever said that to me was um, Harry Buffardi. Mm. And he said, you know, it's not a runaway. Like in, in the case of Craig Freer, I kept hearing, they know I didn't run away. I left my wallet. So I actually turned to the detective and I said, he left his wallet. And he goes, what? And I go, he left his wallet. And at that time, nobody knew that. Ah. And I said, so, you know, he didn't run away. And he said, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was only within like a short period of time of his, his missing. Yeah. And, um, but it, it, it's, um, he, Harry said, if somebody doesn't have a mode of transportation, money, contacts, he said, there's no way they can get from point A to point B without other people um, seeing them, assisting them. And it's like, yeah, that's true. It has a 12-year-old boy without resources going to just, you know. Run away. Right. right. So that's one of my favorite things when you are working with people in law enforcement and skeptic or not. Um, I love the fact that they go about it methodically because you, yes, the, the three of us, you know, when we go out and do our, uh, you know, on location uh, recordings, we go out assuming we're, we're, you know, we're skeptics. Right. Not, every bump in the night is a ghost. I'm, I'm always looking, you know, if something, there's a weird noise in my house. I'm always looking to see what the animals did this morning. It was the dog and the 
cat knocked over the Christmas tree. So <laughs> that's what that big thud was. So my tree's now outside. But <laughs> regardless, um, I love when you're talking to a you know law enforcement um, person about a case and you zone out and you say something and they're trained to not show emotion but when they have that look on their face that you know you just hit some kind of nail on the head right that's always amazing to me and uh you go from that stone you know that very professional exterior to like <laughs> the the holy crap look on their face um it, that that's always kind of one of my favorite things to see yeah yeah interesting um one case um, too, that is very current. Um, oh. and I have not worked on it. Um, is, uh, the one in Schenectady, the young lady that went, she's 14, Samantha, Samantha Humphrey. And she went missing in the stockade area, they believe. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess there is some security footage of this. She went disappearing on November 28th, I think. And, um, you know, people are still still looking for her. They're still trying to figure out what exactly happened and who was involved. Um, she was not a runaway either. I do not believe that either. I think that I think that she was um, a much, in some ways, older than fourteen. Yes, yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. We're savvy, mm -hmm. fourteen yes. year old, maybe yeah. you know, than than we were. But um, I do not believe that she was a runaway. Um, yeah. And, and people will say to me, will there be resolution, which is a great question, because I do think there's there's a, a sense of timing um, with everything, kind of like the free will, oh, which yeah. sounds like a cop out, but it's not really. It has to do with the right, like if the information is right there, it's the right timing of it to be revealed. And um, uh, interesting, um, we've talked about before is uh, the Gabby Polito or Petito, excuse me, Petito. And um, when they, I don't know if listeners know this because I'm, I'm such a huge true crime buff. Do you know that when they went searching for her in that region, they found nine other missing persons? Bodies. I read that. That's horrifying. That's terrifying. It's like, oh, wrong deceased person. Oh, yeah. Oh, here's, here's another, here's another deceased person. But Jeez. the fact that that didn't make headline news. Is, Why not? Right. That's, that's mind blowing to me that the, and they were, you know, different circumstances, but yeah, there was, I think two women together, uh, they may have even been shot Yeah, that they found there, but just again, mind blowing as they go through this, these stages. So, um, when I was working on the Craig Freer case, I was on the phone with Harry Bafardi and he was out in the woods again. He said he actually, he got Lyme disease at one point because he became so oh, obsessed no. with being out in the woods oh, no. um, on his off time with his dogs looking. And um, I said to him, it was before Easter. And I said, um, he keeps telling me Easter coming up soon. Easter. Mm -hmm. I kept hearing it. Well, had we known, he's like, does that mean we're going to find him? And I said, I don't know. He just keeps making me feel very anxious about Easter coming. On Easter that year, there was a huge flood. And I mean huge, like jumping jacks was buried I over there. I remember that year, yes. So all the river silt and mud in the area that we were searching 
was completely covered. So uh-huh. any remains or anything that had been there was completely covered uh-huh. and probably permanently covered um, in that particular area. But that was the, he kept a- a- emphasizing, urging Easter, Easter coming like three days, Easter. And oh I, I thought, but you know, I had a moment that was kind of like from the show, the medium, if they can tell me that, why didn't they tell me like where they were you know, <laughs> fucking hurry up yeah. where, you know, I'm, I'm right here and it's going to get covered up by, you know, by the river flooding. And but, I mean, people ask us that and are frustrated by, by that. So are we. Yeah. So it's are like, we. Right. You know, I don't understand. It's like, why is the information not given rather than focusing on that? I just figured that there's a grand scheme of things that, that we're not privy to and it needs, things need to happen at a certain Well, one time. of the things too, that people probably don't take into account and, um, and, and you know what, bless their hearts that they think that we know so much. Like I've been in situations where somebody's like, um, I, I'm not going to think about that because I don't want you to know my thoughts. Well, sweetheart, <laughs> if you think your thoughts are worth listening to, we need to have a drink together. We need to find out what's going on in there. But I'm not I'm not reading people's minds all the no. time. And to do that kind of work when we're doing cases like this, I have to, you have to, we have to raise our vibration. And people in spirit have yeah. to lower their vibration. Right. And there's kind of like right. a, a middle section, an ether section of where we're getting a translation. We're getting one word or we're seeing a headline and right. um, conveying that, if that makes any sense, like it comes in choppy, like we're getting yes. communication, but it's, it's a choppy communication. So I always say it's like trying to speak to someone with a heavy accent, long distance of the bad connection. Yep. Yep. And then some things come in with so much clarity that you're like, wow. Or just like you said, you dream about it and you're, it's absolutely insane how clear it is. So again, kind of harking back to what I said in the beginning, listen to those things in you, like, because people are getting that stuff all the time, just like, and D has said that he's had things where he's um, felt things from cases and um, yeah. never had that experience before. And he had such a strong pull. And even now with law enforcement, so many times they tell me like they wake up and, and they have like kind of like an inspiring thought of a place to check or somebody to check on. And it's spot on. Someone whispers in their ear. Yep. And Dee is our, our psychic extraordinaire. <laughs> yes, he is. He he does yeah. He only plays one on TV. um i just want to make sure i kind of round this up too um anybody that is interested or um wants to learn more um about mary and doug lyle's um foundation hope for the missing um you can look that up that link um and the missing person day is april 6th it Mm -hmm. was i believe initiated in 2001 um there is a New York State uh, website, I believe, and I think it's connected to uh, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children um, or missingkids.org. A um, lot of information on that. There is also another group that I have become um, connected to, um, which is called Thorn. And it's um, really because my daughter turned me on to um, a true crime YouTuber um Kendall Ray and her husband and um they are really 
um, big donors to Thorn. Mm -hmm. And Thorn is the one that has Ashton Kutcher as right. part of it, helping to, and it, it really is an amazing organization um, for children that are being trafficked and, and crimes like this. So, yeah. It's, um, yeah, they're all they're in it for the right reason. This group, yeah, yep, yep, difference in the world, as well as like the Amber Alerts. But those are just some quick, quick links, if if people want to become more educated about it. And again, anytime you're watching something on the news, um, or you're seeing that, and you think to yourself, why aren't the police doing more? Trust me when I tell you, I'm I'm a big supporter, um, of law enforcement. But the, there is so much more that's happening even years yeah. later. Um, with all the other work that they do, that they they come back around to that they work with the family, they check up with the family, and as they turn over cases, um, talking. And I know I know I have a, a client that has a, a case that was for many many years, and um, um, with her mom actually missing, and um, every time she got a new set of eyes on it, they were more than willing to work with her and her family um, to seek justice for her mom. And look at the case of Ruth Whitman, who, you know, we talked about and, right. um, uh, with Phoebe yep. you know, a year and a half ago. And she was one of the, um, not a missing person, but a murdered person right down the road from where both Dee and I live. And um, they got new eyes on that. And they actually exhumed her body to look for DNA evidence because of the DNA database. So, um I haven't heard anything about that. I know it's still in the process, but if that can bring closure to the family and if it can bring a conviction, if that person is still They just alive. had the, was it the body of the young boy that was the nameless boy that had been buried? Yeah. And, and pardon me for not knowing that, that they were able to get his DNA and he was in a, an unmarked grave and they figured out the family that he came, he descended from, from probably 23 and me. And that's a, a big thing that they, even with the golden gate killer, that's how they, they discovered who it was. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. It is amazing where we are with that, with technology now that um, those things are linked and they can go back and they can tell by the DNA that the DNA they've taken is like two or three generations away from, away from like that. the source. Yeah. And they can say it was probably like a grandfather, a father, an uncle yeah. or paternal. Right. Yes. So, so yeah, it is pretty, pretty fascinating. So hopefully, and there's so many more cases that we don't, we will cover on another show yeah. and, um, and, and just say their names so that, you guys are thinking of them, praying for them and for their families, um, for a, a hopeful resolution for all of them. Um, alive, so. yep. And, and, you know, please reach out to us and let us know if you have, um, other cases that you'd like us to cover. Right. And, uh, again, our, our, especially during this time of year, our thoughts and our prayers are with their families. Absolutely. And with law enforcement that is continuing to do that work. So again, thank you, Michelle and D Scott for an amazing 2022. Thank you guys. It was thank amazing. You. And um, I had babies come in this year. I got engaged this last year and had, a, had you know, all kinds of good stuff with my kids and looking forward to a, a 2023 good year. And uh, hopefully for you. This year, so. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> 
I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. So thank you guys for that. And thank you again to all of our, our guests that came on. Um, we love you all. And, and um, hopefully it's like the kind of like the Oprah effect that it's helped their businesses and helped them yes. grow a little bit um, because they're wonderful people and love that they contribute to the show. And thank you again to all of our listeners for your likes, shares, subscriptions, and definitely your, su- your suggestions. Yes. Um, please keep those rolling in. We love them and we love all of you. And thank you again. Thank you all so much and have a happy new year. Happy new year, everybody. Happy new year, everybody. Be safe and and be healthy.